And boom, we're back, finally, <laughs> for another episode of AlphaCast. Actually, this is one that was recorded three weeks ago, and we apologize for not getting it up. Uh, at the time, it was recorded on as a audio podcast due to the craziness of Music and Sky and the wildfires who that have been threatening, and who, I say who, Freudian slip there, yes, there is definitely a who behind that, uh, that has driven us out of our homes and forced us to evacuate, uh, and uh, not allowing me to get to my computer to get the AlphaCast with Renette up properly, so we apologize for that. The good news is we're back, safe at home, the family's back uh, here with me and Gasky and Baron Deb have returned to the farm, so we are going to do an in-depth AlphaCast this week, Thursday, uh, September, first week of September. I don't even really know what date or time it is right now, to be honest, in recovery and rehabilitation mode from the insanity that has been the last three weeks, but we are very, very happy to be back and have so much to be thankful for. So we'll be doing an in-depth analysis of the fires um, and everything that's been going on in the world that, uh, with that upcoming AlphaCast with just Bear and I as an in-house chat. But for now, we want to kick off this one here with the beautiful Renette Senum. One of our more popular AlphaCast guests, Renette, returns for another inspiring and entertaining interview whether braving the trans-Alaskan wilderness or the hostile political landscape as a California gubernatorial candidate, Renette never shies from a challenge. Today's roundtable, or rather the one we did three weeks ago, <laughs> will tackle uh, a diversity of topics relative to the global coup and fifth-generational warfare tactics designed to grind humanity into submission. Kind of ironic that this one we uh, are talking about, this topic, is um, directly related to what Bear and I and the families, uh, our families just went through, right? Uh, pretty wild stuff we're talking about. We do get into wildfires in this and uh, EMFs and um, DWs and uh, the nature of the, <clears throat> the, this sort of warfare that's being initiated upon humanity. Uh, so we'll dissect the why behind the systemic poisoning of both our internal and eternal ecology, or external, I guess he meant to say, and how the human spirit is the most powerful antidote. Why do even the most populist politicians give the most critical issues we face the widest berth? Renette will bring us up to date with her proactive efforts behind Gen 7, Save Our Skies, and organizations that are taking legal action against the most egregious geoengineering perpetrators in the U.S. Quote, I'm running for governor as an independent, common-sense candidate focused on core values and ethics, but in order to turn California around, we are going to need an unprecedented effort by all of us working together. Based upon the nations of the Iroquois Confederacy that originally inspired our United States Constitution, we will use the seven-generation principle as the primary guiding force of this campaign because all decisions made today should serve the next seven generations. End quote. By Renette there. We're going to be back live streaming uh, this Thursday, so enjoy this very, very important chat as it leads up into what we'll be talking about this week as we literally watched it all unfold, not only with Maui, but um, 
with what's going on in Northern California, up in BC, and really in, in Greece and all over the world. We are deep, deep in it, guys. And as my brother Marty Leeds put so well, faith is what will get us through. Because in the end, God has our back. Okay, guys, enjoy this one. Thanks. Yes, uh, Renette, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, you, more than anyone I know, have uh, definitely chosen to walk the hero's journey. So uh, you're a modern-day warrior, and thank you for that. Uh, you're doing so much good work out there. Well, that so was this is going to be a great have. discussion. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I'm looking forward to catching up with you because I know uh, you never stand still. You're always uh, into something new. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about the weather, but we don't have to be exclusively focused on that. And I am a big believer in what Michael was just saying, because as a practitioner of functional medicine for many, many years, I can definitely correlate certain symptoms with what's happening in the skies above us, take certain measures that make those symptoms go away and then watch the symptoms come back as soon as the skies look uh, inundated once again. And, you know, it's it seems to be escalating a little bit. Now, I'm looking at a beautiful blue skies, but we have had some, what are we calling it today? Uh, we're going to use code for aerosoling. Stratospheric aerosol injection. We'll just call it SAI. Okay, SAI, it is. Uh, it's It's been a little bit more intense. And as you know, we're off grid here. We have no cell towers, no reception, stuff like that. We can turn our modems off uh, by satellite anytime we want, uh, you know, because that obviously produces symptoms as well. But the uh, aerosoling, we'll say, is definitely creating more havoc in people, even in this part of the purer realms of this uh, plane, we'll just say that, uh, people having very similar symptoms, uh, prominent buzzing in the ears constantly, mm -hmm. headaches, mm -hmm. uh, digestive disturbances, mm -hmm. all the above. I've never had any of this in my life, and especially because we live in a pretty good area, but my wife, myself, people that work with us around here, all experiencing the same exact symptoms at the same time. And it seems to suspiciously correlate with when we see tic-tac-toe being played up in the air. Now, I got in just a little bit late in a discussion that you and Mike were having behind the scenes. So I really want you guys to update me yeah. uh, because I have my own beliefs and I know you're more uh, well-researched than I am with all the ins and outs of this. But uh, again, thanks so much for being here and why don't we just jump right into that? And then also, if we could uh, maybe just get briefed on some of your other projects. You know, here at Alpha Vedic, our whole permaculture prototype is based on seven generation principles. And, and in fact, our our whole trust organization is uh, that is our that's our bylaws. That's our whole mission statement is seven generations. And we don't do anything here on the farm unless we understand what it's going to do that many generations out. So uh, take it away, my friend, and delightful to be with you again. Thank you. Well, thank you guys so much. And I'm still really wanting to get to your farm in the very near future. So I'm so glad to know you guys are out there. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for walking the talk. 
uh, it's a bit rare. So uh, yes, as you know, I did run for governor last year, seventh generation principal. Before that, I was a two-term mayor and council person in Nevada City, California, where I still am. And before uh, COVID hit, uh, I was very much, well, I was on the council, but I was very much involved in fighting against slowing down the proliferation of 5G, as well as really calling out geoengineering. Well, then when COVID struck, when I was mayor, I became very COVID centric, and now I'm I'm taking my my you know attention once again back to what I was working on before. But in this last three years, from my observation as well, the geoengineering has become much worse, and the five G the antennas are everywhere, which I actually kind of caught um, when I was mayor, and we were in our first stay at home orders. I was driving around two in the morning, midnight, five in the morning, because I was thinking to myself, we're all locked away. We, anything could be happening right now in our community in the middle of the night, and we don't know. And I just was called to drive around every now and then. And I started to see between 3 and 5.30, an army of utility trucks coming in, expanding the broadband, right? The fiber optics from, from light pole to light pole. Why would they do that in the middle of the night? Only from 3 to 5.30 for two and a half hours. Come to find out it was happening around the country. It was happening around the world. There was a massive explosion instantaneously of utility trucks expanding the broadband, which is the backbone of 5G. And the reason why they're doing it in the middle of the night is because if they all did it in the middle of the day when everyone else was stay-at-home orders, locked away, we'd be asking how the heck is this happening all at the same time around the planet. It was happening in schools and high schools, elementary schools too. So we knew that 5G was, was intrinsically connected to the whole COVID narrative. Um, so ultimately, I did resign uh, July of 2020 after I'd been already just reelected for my third term. I resigned and called out my city council members and elected officials as committing crimes against humanity because I'm like, I've got enough information right now, like you do, to know what's going on. Ran for governor, um, no party affiliation. And then last winter, um, we had a horrific um, historical snow, as you all know, and the snow is extraordinarily wet, extraordinarily heavy extraordinarily destructive, 60 feet up in Sierras. We are here at the 3000 foot level, many feet of snow. A tree came crashing to the side of my house four days later, 2.30 in the morning, a tree crashed onto my partner's house. Thousands of dollars, we're still uh, fixing the house right now. And during that time, I had mama warriors around the state of California taking snow and rain samples. And when they got those results back, they're extraordinarily high in aluminum, barium, strontium, cobalt, lead, copper, sulfur, the list goes on and on and on. At that point in time, we also had people sending me uh, test results of tree bark that they had also tested extraordinarily high in aluminum. We also know the tree, the forests were around us have been dying and people have been saying, oh, it's the bark beetle, oh, it's the drought. It's like, no, it's not. We are seeing trees, this was last summer, we were seeing trees along the, the flowing river banks and they're dying, they're dying. And we know that the bark and these tree barks are full of aluminum. So we know now that we walk into conifer forest, they no longer have a scent. Uh, you walk in there and the reason why you don't have that beautiful smell, that aroma we're used to, is because those trees are full of aluminum, full of heavy, heavy metals that they've been absorbing, cannot absorb the water, the nutrients, the sugar. So they're not breathing it in, they're not intaking, and they're not expelling, and we're not smelling them. The the uh, the um, population of the pollinators is down, right? The the birds, the the um, bees, the insects, wildlife in general. We are seeing death by a thousand cuts, and it's just a slowly collapsing decline of life everywhere. Bear, we come out of this winter, and also by the way, if you go to my Substack, I do have a Substack, Renette Senum's Foghorn Express. Substack.com. You go there, punch and search mosquitoes, and you will see me documenting over the winter. During the snowpocalypse, 
a couple months of 30 degrees temperature, mosquitoes all year long trying to get into my house, our house, and getting into our homes, and generally nailing us right before in the forehead. All winter long, 30 degrees, it's actually impossible for mosquitoes to live below 50 degrees, which tells us they were genetically modified. So I feel like this is nothing but an aerial assault over our heads. You can't turn around. Wintertime used to be a reprieve for us. Wintertime was a time where we could take a sigh and just breathe relief because it's not summertime. We're less likely to have some catastrophic fire like we just saw in Lahaina. It's real. And now even our winters are weaponized and we can't, you know, you know, have a sigh of relief. The tree that fell in my partner's house, she's cut tens of thousands of trees in her property. That was a tree well over hundred feet away. They hit a tree, they hit a tree. So three trees is a domino effect that crashed into us. Thousands of trees fell down. Our force looked like carnage, looks like a hurricane went through it. And I'm sitting here like many of us waiting for the iconic figures of geoengineering the iconic heroes of nonprofits and attorneys or whoever, I'm just waiting, waiting for these experts in these respective fields to go out there and to stop this. And nothing was happening. And so I finally realized, well, I'm to blame as much as anybody. And so I went out and I reached out to a woman named Dina Pollard Sachs, who I happened to meet through Naomi Wolf and through Maria Zach and some people, you know, in this kind of more of the liberty, freedom, medical freedom world. And we had struck up a, a conversation and a friendship. And she was a 25-year-long constitutional professor and attorney, human live wire. And I reached out to her saying, look it, this is what's going on. And she had no idea about geoengineering. In fact, after a few weeks, she finally videotaped something, texted to me and said, is that one of those SAIs? I'm like, yes, it is. And she said, well, that's going to get into my drinking water. And I said, it is in your drinking water. And it's in your blood. It's in your brain. It's circulating through your organs. Everything has been impacted. This is probably gonna be the first court case ever where the bailiff, the judge, the, the, the attorneys, right, are actually victims of the crime they're hearing, that they're listening to. I said, this is, I don't care if you are here to fight for the indigenous, the salmon, the redwoods, the children. If we don't stop this spraying and get some control of our skies, we're not gonna have seven generations. And I asked her to help me, please find the attorneys who can take this on through the constitutional lens. Cause I'm like, you cannot tell me that this is constitutional. Well, she was moved enough and we educated her enough that she has now put together the best law team we could possibly get of evidentiary attorneys, environmental attorneys, you know, constitutional attorneys, appellate attorneys. And I have literally been raising money, throwing my own money for my Substack subscriptions. I have a give, send, go. I launched on April 18th. Stop U.S. Geoengineering Legal Fund. We're ready to put out our last finances of the last three months. So you can see how that money is being spent. Complete transparency. I don't pay myself. And we put together the best legal team, the best legal researchers. We looked at everything and figured out how we're going to come at this and have the first win. And we've identified that right now, as well as our later strategies. Fantastic. Um just a quick question. Uh, if you can help me understand the psychology of what I'm going to relate here. I was uh, having a propane tank refilled uh, when I was in town a few months ago, and it was down on the coast and the skies were horrendous. Uh, you know, flight patterns that, that no uh, aviation would allow. They're just crisscrossing and just ridiculous tic-tac-toe board in the sky. And uh, I just looked up and I said, wow, you guys are really getting 
getting it here today. And the woman who was filling my tank looked up at me and she said, what are you talking about? And I just pointed to the skies. I said, wow, they're really, they're really trailing today bad, aren't they? And she looked at me. All of a sudden, our pleasant conversation stopped. She uh, thought I was just some kind of lunatic or something. And I went a little bit further just to see if I could engage her. And I said, you know, I used to fly. That's not normal up there. And she just responded, said, no, those are just normal airplane trails. I said, well, planes would be crashing into each other if they allowed that to happen. And have you ever walked down the street on a cold day and turned around and seen your breath hang in the air six blocks behind you? I said, that isn't normal. Anyway, that was the end of the conversation. She didn't want any part of it and was in total disbelief and thought I was one of those conspiracy nuts or something. So what is it that should be so obvious to the common sense of anybody with a, with a lukewarm intelligence that just does not allow them to perceive what's happening? And, you know, that's the real problem to me. Yeah, we should have more candidates and people like that talking about this, because to me, it does represent a clear and present danger, probably worse than any other of the things that the other candidates are out there talking about now. Uh, you know, when they're out there doing their campaigning, but it's the people that just really need to wake up. And I just don't understand that psychology. Well, by design, and we're generations into the making of this, right? Um, and as Mike and I were talking about, it's about the dialectic. It's about those who interject themselves to make sure that we always have this division in our conversation and our perspective. What I've come to learn, and it has been a paradigm shift for me. I mean, I've known about it, but it's been a very deep paradigm shift in just the last few months. Um, and it's one of those things too, where you realize that we actually have more control and more say, more power over this right now than we realize. And interestingly enough, as scary as it seems like what we're facing, because it is like these invisible hands, the solution to many of the things, many of the challenges we're facing today is all about decentralization and doing it locally with your hands, with your people across the board. Believe it or not, though this is happening in the skies, it's the same scenario. It's the same answers. It's the same solutions. What people have been led to believe when they, that woman you were talking to went to as far out there, crazy conspiracy theory you could get, she thought you were crazy. But when you tell people these are actually contrails, they are contrails, you're right. But what changed was like around 97, they have this other evolution of fuel called JP8. And JP8 is extraordinarily dirty and it's a single use fuel. NATO's the one that kind of set the standard. They wanted a single use fuel for the Black Hawks, Black Hawks for the uh, commercial airlines, the military airlines, the tanks, you name it, one size fits all. But the way they made this was actually quite cheap. It's extremely dirty. So when I was talking to Jim Lee of climateviewer.org or .com, you, everybody's got to go to that website. That is the best, most well-documented SAI website out there. It's been going on since the 1800s, starting with silver iodide, little canisters just shoot up and you kind of make things rain. It's like little influence of you know certain locales. It's gone from beyond there. So what Jim A taught, what, what Jim Lee taught me was about the JP8 fuel is when they shift over, it was very dirty. When I asked Jim, when we when we actually go out there and we test, we send our money, our, our, our water and our snow and our rain to these labs, it's coming back with all these heavy metals. I asked him, I said, why are they putting the heavy metals into the fuel? Don't they know better? And he says, because they're not putting it in there. They just never took it out. It's part of the oil. It's part of the fossil fuels. Don't get me going there. It's just dirty. 
And it doesn't have to be this way. Well, it ends up that all that soot, all that stuff, what it does is it creates the moisture to connect to the soot and create ice crystals, essentially. And we're creating our own cirrus clouds. Now, there are, there are mechanisms out there that can actually ensure that you don't see those, those SAIs, those trails behind the airlines, right, behind the aircraft. The military use that because the military, they don't want you actually tracking their, their trail all the way back to their, to their base, right? So they use those. Now, what's a shocker is in 97, when they switched over and when they switched over to this JP-8, that's when we began to really see because it was really dirty jet fuel that was these ice nucleates, right? And it was actually creating these, these trails that you could really see. But what's fascinating and is a matter of national security that people don't talk about is those commercial airliners, when they take off, the pilots are taken off, we hit altitude, a supercomputer takes it over, and once they're ready to land, those, those pilots take it over again and they land it. What people don't realize is the reason why you are seeing those crisscross is not because they're going out there and they're injecting extra stuff in the jet fuel or they have the little extra, they might, they actually might be, they can, and they could have aerosol injectors, they can and they do. But what you're seeing for the most part are the commercial airlines, once they get to altitude, one supercomputer controls all of those airlines, 100,000 flights at a time, and it wow. actually creates a grid using the commercial aircraft as the weapon. There's a... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and this is the, the the Hegelian dialectic, which the wannabe elites love to use, right, to control, is they've created this... <clears throat> this sort of narrative about uh, in the alternative truther world of chemtrail versus contrail. And in the end, it's all this, it's all bad. And my friend, Amanda Vollmer had brought up in the chat recently. I don't think she'd mind mentioning this to her. She's like, how do we live in a free will universe or free will world when we don't, when they're doing this to us, right? And we don't want them to, we are saying we don't consent. Well, in many ways, every time you buy a flight and you go somewhere, you're consenting because they're literally using that against you through convenience, through the modern convenience of the airline industry. So I think it's important for us to realize that of, like they love to do with everything, they turn the convenience against us. They weaponize our own sort of modern comforts against us and it's really important to realize that this is a multi just like everything just like how the cv operation was right the corona operation was it's a multi-planar multi-dimensional um, warfare fifth dimensional warfare if you will where it's it's coming from bunker fuel operations it's coming from pri the private sector it's coming from military sector it's coming from government operations there's there's so much going on here uh, because it's a lot of big money behind it too renette uh, there's a lot of money to be made in geoengineering now so uh i think you're spot on decentralization is is huge but um yeah uh i think that's a really important note uh, for us moving forward if someone says oh it's contrails it's chemtrails you just say it's everything it's all we're being poisoned by everything <laughs> well, I'll, I'll even go another step so also what's happened and i and i have to get the exact numbers here but it's something like this that will give you the the idea what we're talking about in the 1970s america had like 70,000 flights a day the 90s and the 1990s, like 95,000 flights a day. Now, at any given time, we have 100,000 flights at any moment. The other thing that changed is that we actually exported all of our industry, all of our manufacturing to countries where we could export environmental damage, as a, as a matter of fact, use slave labor, child labor, and so on. So we exported that, which means when we export it, 
it has to be shipped or flown or shipped back in. So as much as the commercial airlines are really bad, the reason why the West Coast is getting so hit so hard is not just because we're slathered in 5G now, but we have these massive cargo ships that are the size of a small city coming over with smokestacks that are gigantic with that bunker fuel that is extraordinarily dirty. And they're coming over and they're just billowing that stuff out. Well, trust me, it too is being used and manipulated by HARP, by the military, by nations for weather modification, weather, weather weaponization, and they're using it. So every time far, we fly, and I'm guilty of this, just let you know, I'm guilty of this. Every time we fly on a vacation or to go to an event, we are part of that problem. Every time we order something overseas, Amazon, anything that's not locally, regionally made, we are part of the problem. So what we did not realize, because we were being split, chemtrail, contrail, chemtrail, contrail, it's like, no, 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 neither one is completely right. Neither one is completely correct. It's a combination of both. And what they're not telling you is a system they have set up that they have made us dependent upon is a very system that is that we are allowing to poison ourselves with. <laughs> so, yes, we have a lawsuit. Yes, we have to change policy. Yes, we have to change legislation. We have to come at it from all angles. Yes, we have to wake people up. They have to show up at the air, water, quality board meetings, the city council, the county supervisor. We've got to let people know what's really going on, the story in the middle, right? Not here, not here, but in the middle. And saying, oh, by the way, it is your responsibility you took the oath to protect us from enemies of foreign domestic. We are being sprayed. We are being poisoned. And in the meantime, I've got to learn from by myself how to wean myself off of a centralized system that every step of the way is poisoning me and my family, my life, my world around me. Everything is killing me. I've got to understand my hands, my fingerprints are on this as well. And I've got to start really working on supporting and investing in the local economy and not the centralized system that is actually slowly killing us. Yes. That's a uh, maybe maybe before we're through today, we can touch on a few solutions, uh, what people can do to help their own biology deal with this and uh, not just get rid of the symptoms uh, temporarily, but also uh, assure that these uh, cumulative effects don't create worse problems down the road. So, um, you know, when I, I've seen this many times with my own eyes where I'll see a plane overhead and it's just a normal trail. And then all of a sudden it's like somebody pulls the switch and it's full on crop dusting. So is that, uh, could you explain that a little bit uh, versus what you were saying as far as the systemic automated uh System. That's been that's been like a million dollar question for me. So I said to Jim, I said, why is it that like some days you don't see them at all or they sputter, or you see them, you don't. It's a combination. One is it has to do with it has to do with air, the conditions, the coolness of the air. It has to do with the dryness, the moisture content. And it also has to do with the fact that there are geoengineering programs and projects out there. There are. So we have a combination of commercial aircraft, military universities, research companies, corporations, right? Private corporations, startups, as well as power companies like Pacific Gas and Electric, who have been doing the most spraying for the most decades of all, as well as the military. So it's a combination of things. And I still have some answers that I'm seeking as far as like, well, why is it that usually like on a holiday or Super Bowl Sunday or a Sunday, I don't see any of these SAIs. I mean, you're so I still have, I don't have all the answers. Like I, I'm still trying to dive into that and get real clarity. 
But what I do know is the story that I even believed as a person fighting against SAIs, that it was not really quite the narrative that I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And that's a game changer. So we had to change our tactic according to the information we were receiving and our understanding around that. So I've heard some reports, I don't know if it's true or not, that the Air Force is the largest perpetrator of whatever we're talking about. And uh, would that be, again, a combination of the fuel plus purposeful, or are they doing something purposeful mostly? Fuel, I mean, it could be experiments. And what the people don't realize is that the FAA, it's actually illegal. I could go up there, hire somebody, and uh, the FAA has it in there where basically, uh, as long as it's a public health spraying, you can do it. As long as it is for research, you can do it. And so the military can do whatever they want, essentially. I don't actually believe they can, to be honest, because even the military, our own government does not have the right to lethalize our skies. I know that we've come to believe that, but they don't. But that's the big nut to crack, right? That's like a huge nut to crack. So we've got to start with kind of more of the, lay, the lower hanging fruit, something that we can tackle, something that we can win effectively, efficiently, without science fighting science, deep pockets fighting deep pockets, actually come at it as far as like policy or as administratively um, and, and and attack it that way. It's kind of, a, it's equivalent to us taking down Al Capone through his tax returns, kind of the same thing. So we're starting with that because we also have to go out there and build momentum, develop street credentials, show people we actually know how to strategize. We know what we're doing. We know how to, how to, how to get a win and then go after the bigger perpetrators. They're out there. We know who they are. And interestingly enough, we are attacking one startup right now, but it's how we're attacking. It will have a ripple effect on all the other geoengineering programs out there, including the ones where they're doing these public health springs, which could be mRNA vaccinations if they so choose today, mm. right now. They can vaccinate us through the air. That's how, that's how <laughs> critical this fight is. They can vaccinate us through the air right now. What about the- Yeah, we used to- <laughs> Go ahead no, I was just going to say, uh, yeah, I hear you, and I, I'm, I'm aware of what you're saying. We'll use the jab word. Um, but uh, <laughs> Dennis, well, go ahead, Mike. You you finish. I was next, just going to ask about the pilots, <clears throat> the pilots themselves. Uh, now I sound better. I realized I didn't even have my mic on. I was just <laughs> sorry, guys. Uh, but anyways, uh, the pilots themselves, this has always been the question around this, right? Like, do they not have uh, some sort of moral qualms about what they're doing? And I get the other question I have with these supercomputers, are we talking about drones now running some of these operations? You know, you, you can see sometimes a commercial flight you can see is lower. And then you see those like jets that are way up there. They look tiny and are flying across crisscrossing. They, they seem like they're different looking. Those, those are different. And those are generally drones generally military drones. They are up in the stratosphere. They're up in the highest. And that stuff will take decades, uh, more than likely years and decades to actually work its way out. The commercial aircraft, military craft, the good news is you get a good rainstorm, you know, within two weeks, three weeks, that stuff has washed out. And granted, it's washed out on all of us, but it's out of, out of the, you know, the atmosphere right above us. Now, what Jim Lee did say, and I cannot remember the terminology, but some good news is, and it doesn't mean that we don't have work to do. We do. We're not going to sit there and go, oh, she's got it. But what's fascinating is they have just discovered recently there's something in the stratosphere that's actually eating up all those heavy metals and that soot and stuff. So like Mother Nature 
is actually reacting to this and actually there's something eating it up. Now, I'm not going to sit there and go, ah, then she's got it covered. I'm not going to worry. No, you got to stop the polluting. The sooner we can stop the polluting, the sooner we can start the healing. You know, you can't heal as long as you're still being poisoned. So there is some good news, but we've got to come at this at a, a series of steps, of, of, you know, rungs up the ladder. And that's what we're doing right now. So, so those big guys, those are the big guns. <laughs> that's our military. That's black ops. That's, you know, that's bigger. But once there's a certain critical mass within the public's understanding and knowledge of what's really going on, it's much harder to do. It's just much harder to do. And um, so we're coming from it right here, but we are actually moving really quickly. As I said, we've been we've we've gone this far in less than four months, so we're we're making good traction quickly. Yeah, phenomenal. Uh, there, there's one gentleman I know of that is actually getting out there a little bit, and it's RFK's campaign manager, Dennis Kucinich. He's the only uh, guy in those channels that I've heard talk about geoengineering, so that's very promising. And Bobby um, Kennedy you know, has too. Bobby Kennedy is actually he's talked about. Oh, good. It. Yeah, that's yeah, that's encouraging. Uh, you made a comment about you don't think they have the right to poison our skies. But of course, the game they play is they put words on a piece of paper to grant themselves permission to commit crimes against humanity and then say they have the legal right because of, uh, you know, these, uh, you know, that whole warfare. Well, you know, I have to say, uh, Bar. I've been wondering, and I've had a little looky <laughs> into wondering why this hasn't stopped before, right? Like, you know, what's what's so difficult? How there's been these court cases, and there's been decades of court cases to stop SAI, to stop weather modification and so on. There have been court cases. But when I look at the more recent faces of this fight, of this movement, and I look at what they've brought to, to the courts, or they haven't, or they stated and claimed they would, but they haven't, it just disappeared, not a lot's been done. Not a lot's been well, done. And you realize that there's actually some really good, solid legal constitutional footing that would actually put this all to rest. But somehow, some way, it's never made it before a judge. It's more than tenuous when we fight legal battles because you're in commercial courts. There are no Article Three courts in That's existence. Enough. So you can play that game and have some little minor wins now and then, which is the way they throw us a bone to make us think we actually have an authentic jurisprudence system, but that doesn't exist at all. So it goes back to the, I think in one of our past talks, I said, all right, if you were in office, uh, could you two-step us back into the constitutional republic and take us out of this UCC commercial Right. Uh, court system with, that is fixed from the start. So a couple of different things. One is we're trying to work with the psychology of the, the person that you met when you were getting your propane tank filled, right? <laughs> they still believe in the that system, right? They believe in that court system. That holds weight with them. And so our objective is to use that as a mechanism to draft everyone else behind us, because when they see that we're in court and we'll take it to the Supreme Court, uh, they our, our, our legal team is admitted into the Supreme Court if we have to, that when we do that, as we head forward, that grabs notice, that grabs attention, you get, you know, print on, you know, the screen and interviews and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden it becomes real to these people like, wait a second, this SA stuff, SAI stuff is real. 
wait, there's actually a court case going on. I believe, I have no doubt we're going to win. But what's more important than winning in that court is actually winning in the, the, the court of public opinion. We're using that to draft people forward and then saying, look, we're going to do this. We're doing the heavy lifting in this court. And I understand about bar attorneys. I understand about the royal, you know, the, I understand all that. But we're using this as a mechanism to pull ourselves forward while we're educating people, while we're giving them the tools they need, how to do notice of liabilities, how to do open letters, the templates and the scripts to go to and before their air and water quality board and their county supervisors and their city council members, and to wake people up to create a tipping point within the public, the public itself. So this is a multi-pronged approach. And I've, I've been in all bits of it. I've been in all bits of it. So I understand the importance of it. So it's it's a bit of it's a bit of our own psychological warfare, if you want to say. I mean, it's like we're actually going out there and as an elected official, information is power. And I know as a, as a former mayor and a city council member that when I can educate the public and most elected officials don't realize it is actually our responsibility to keep the public informed. It's our job. And most elected officials don't like to do that because when you inform the public, they're powerful. And what I would do is I would go out there and I would educate the public on 5G, wireless ordinances, the dangers of geoengineering, blah, 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 pg e and so on. And when they would be educated and they would come to the mic during public comment, they would blow the city council over and they could only, well, they, all, all they could do was vote in favor for whatever the people were standing for because they were an educated mass. So part of what we're trying to do, and I've been spending the last four months with a small tight-knit team of people. And my objective has been to use this legal case as a driving force to pull people together and to start educating, like I've been educating myself the last four months into what's really going on and what, what SAI really is. And now that we have that, it's like you guys stepping in right now, Bar and Mike is perfect timing because we're now ready, like, okay, we've got the gist of what we're doing. We've, we have a basic real clear understanding. It's not this or that, it's this, the topic is this. And we're going to go out there and we're going to start building an army of people to go to the farmers markets, to go to the public events, to go to the public meetings and start educating people so we can actually shift the zeitgeist, shift the culture and the understanding. So the next time you go back to that gas station, you get your propane tank filled, you're both going to look up and you're going to look at each other and you're going to understand each other without saying a word. You're going to know what's happening. That's what mm -hmm. we need to get. I will say, as someone who got back into Instagram this year, I took a, three years off. I was over it, but to help promote us out to the world, um, I've jumped back in and just like scanning through. Now they have these reels, kind of like TikTok. There is a ton. Maybe it's the algorithm serving me up this information, but there is a ton of this like cool sort of conspiratorial pop culture stuff talking about this specific subject and you're seeing all these videos people are posting and you've seen the one where it's a contrail and then it gets switched on and all of a sudden it's chemtrail like right there and it's obvious and there are thousands and thousands of comments and hundreds of thousands of likes so i think we are in that shifting moment right now uh i think this is perfect timing renette for this because the it is changing. The great awakening is indeed happening. It's very exciting to see that even something like on meta-owned Instagram, they can't stop the truth from coming out. Right. And it's a race to the finish line, right? So it is a, it is a huge awakening. We are in it. The powers would be no. That's why they're throwing fire at us as a last ditch effort. That's why they're spraying us more heavily. And I have to tell you, Bar, 
everybody I know, especially when we go into the city or we're off ethernet, which I'm on usually at home and we have the Wi-Fi and this, the screen is open. We are feeling huge detrimental health effects. Uh, the tinnitus, the ring of the ears, low grade headaches, achy bones, feeling like you've been having a heavy workout, your muscles ache and you're like, how? I, I didn't have a workout. A dizziness, uh, just general not feeling good, anxiety, depression. Uh, I'm hearing so, especially with the tinnitus and the headaches and just overall body aches and oh, joints, just slamming down on people. And so it's like, we are really in this toxic, toxic soup. And so my objective is, is that as tough as 5G is, and they're just trying to, and I'm going down to the Sacramento Capitol. I'm still testifying, by the way, it is a lost cause. <laughs> We got to get in there and people have to run and just try to you know, stick your fingers in the dam and try to slow it down for sure. We have to, I've been there, but it is so corrupt. That baby just has to crash and burn. There is no saving it. It is so, it's just like a snake eating its own tail right now. Just get back and, and don't get your finger in the, in the mouth of the snake. And so, you know, get back, it's going to crash and burn. And we have to prepare ourselves which you guys are masters at. Many reviewers are masters at, and we've got to be able to bridge the gap between the old paradigm and the new paradigm. And as Cliff High says, who I love watching Cliff High, he's a former actuary. He looks at the language on the you know, linguistics on the internet. He can see things happening before we even know it's happening because we're tapped into the almighty. His, his web bot report he used to put out. Phenomenal. He's brilliant. And, you know, and he's saying, you know, what's going to happen is it's going to crash and burn. I mean, these people in government, in these secret programs realize their 401ks have dried up. They're not getting any more pay. They're going to take those top secret uh, plans and devices that have been on the shelves for decades, and they're going to sell them on the underground, right? And and the black markets, and and we're going to have the next ten years. You're going to have inventions like we used to have hundred years ago, the turn of the century, that have quietly been shelved and erased from memory. Those things are going to be coming out like crazy, and you're going to see an extraordinary amount of advancement. And we are, we are going to see it. But in the meantime, you got to be able to feed yourselves. Provide water, shelter, energy, community, networks to bridge that gap. Are you ready? And you're never ultimately ready. Even when you have a farm, you're still always getting ready, right? But that's where, that's again where our involvement comes in. So it's part of this system is going to self implode. But also part of the system is we have to make sure too that we put into place policies and legislations and, and, and bring back the constitutional foundation where as we build out of the ashes, this never happens to us again. And they are trying to spray yeah. the dickens out of us right now. I mean, they're, it's, it's like, it's full throttle right now. They're pulling out all the stops right now, for sure. Just look at what happened in Lahaina. Oh boy, that's uh, heartbreaking. That's my old stomping grounds. And uh, after a day of surfing, when my kids were young, we'd always uh, typically go down on front street in Lahaina and watch a movie on Sunday afternoon. Oh. And, uh, I saw a picture, if you've ever been to Lahaina, uh, this yeah. town center, and they have the the banyan yeah. trees there, yeah. which are so amazing. And I saw them just singed, and it looked like mold. I know. You know what? I, rings, you know? my sense, though, is that banyan tree is alive, and it's going to be alive to tell the story to the other trees. That tree is not gone. That tree is not gone. It's, yeah. Singed, yeah. it's damaged. But I, my sense is, is that tree was actually able to survive it is 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 charted yeah. is. I, yeah. I just had a discussion with my son about it this morning i said hey we can rebuild everything but those banyan trees have no. to survive because that's the heart of the town that's the heart of the town and i think that heart is not dead i actually my gut is 
I was looking at a little, some video footage. I'm like, oh, it got damaged, but it's so big and it's the roots and it's, you know, and those trees are such incredible sentient beings. They know when fire's coming, they communicate and they bring in the water and they bring in the resources. Right. That's the mother tree. So I actually don't think it's, it's been damaged, but it's not dead. I just, my sense is it's not dead and I hope not, but I, I, I believe that too. And uh, this is a good segue into a whole different frame of mind. Uh, you know, the environment that I live in and working with plants and growing things and creating life, you get very attuned to the elementals, the powers of nature. And there is a very intelligent hierarchy of beings, uh, loosely called elementals, we could say. And those elementals represent intelligent beings at all the different levels, including in the sky. Now, I just happen to follow a belief system that when we acknowledge them and actually instruct them to do things, for instance, purify what we're talking about up in the sky, they will do so. And uh, I, I swear I've seen that happen with my own eyes on the instant when we tune in on that level and make our decrees for that to be so. So there are higher powers at work, and I believe they are also, just like we're waiting for people to work, uh, wake up on a certain level, they're also waiting for us to wake up and just invite them in. And right. when humanity, I believe, gets on board on that level of reality, then there's nothing here on the ground this creature class can possibly harm us with anymore. I think you're pretty spot on. And I've, I've actually had some experiences where I said, okay, I, you know, I know you're out there and then boing, you're like, holy cow. And, it, but it's never, and I've always, and interesting when, when dark entities, dark, dark energy comes at me, you know, and I'm very aware of it. I'll, I'll turn around and say, you, you don't have my consent. Get out of here. You don't have my permission. I'll cuss at it and tell it to get out seriously. And it will vanish, vanish. And I know I'm not imagining things because I will find my cats chasing it around my house. So I'm like, okay, the cats just confirmed the hair on the back of my neck was for a real reason. And, but it never, I never thought beyond that of like, okay, instructing, like, I don't want a dark entity here. It never dawned on me to say, hey, I acknowledge you. And Kenya, I'm giving you consent. Help us clean it up. Help us, help us purify it. I never took it that far. So you just gave me a little paradigm shift right there. <laughs> and, and that's why our legal system always needs our consent. It is put forth by the powers of darkness. Well, I'm and, no more spraying. I'm like, I don't care. No more, no more. I mean, you just don't have my consent and we're just moving on it and get ready for it because we're just done. We're done. And, and I think that's going to shift. I think it shifts a lot, shift a lot. I think is, we're on something. It is interesting that Maui and the Hawaiian islands were some of the most tyrannical places during COVID with the lockdowns. I know our, like our brother, Marty Leeds, that he literally left the main Island because he couldn't handle it. So there, it, it is interesting how a lot of these places that um, people really just went lockstep with the agenda are suffering. Look at the inner cities right now. Look at Manhattan, which was a obviously a hot spot for the lockdowns and the, the operation. I mean, you've got the children just completely their minds gone, you know, riding over Xboxes or free PlayStations and a hundred bucks. And then the police have no power. You're seeing obviously it all coming to a head right now with the consent with this idea of those who have no idea they can consent to anything they're just blind to it all by the mind control that's been happening over through the media and through 
academia and all the control systems over the years. And it seems like it's coming to a head there. What's his name? Adams, the Dilbert uh, writer. He has that famous meme now. Where he's like, just get out. Just get out, right? Of the cities. And so you got to wonder what, Renette, what, what is happening in America right now related to this, uh, all of this, uh, this awakening and this, this idea? Because this goes right back to the same discussion, right? Like we need the, the people to start seeing all this so we can start to, to turn the tide. I know with the American Revolution, it was only like what, 3%? 2.5. Yeah, but still, I feel like, um, I don't know, it's going to be difficult this day and age with how connected we are. Well, how connected we are is good and bad, depending on how you use it. And this has been, you know, you can say generations in the making, but that's not quite accurate. It's really been like it's Babylonian. It's thousands of years in the making. And when you really set aside the history you've been taught and exposed to, and you actually look at the tentacles and how far back they go, and who's really behind it all, it starts to make sense. And you start to see a pattern over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. It's this damn same playbook. That's why the powers that be really don't want us to know our real history, because then you can see it and you're not manipulated to it. So the people in the cities, um, I have great sympathy for because between the 5G, the concrete, the lack of connection to nature, the grounding, the lies, the fluoridated water, the unnatural food, the 7-Elevens, right? the food deserts, I mean, they're they're beyond poisoned and they're gonna have the hardest time because when the great fall happens, like when we hit bottom, most of them will not be emotionally, spiritually, mentally ready for this and they're gonna lose it. They're just not gonna be ready. And that's what we have to be ready for too. We have to be ready when that happens because it's gonna get ugly and it will last a week, two months, 10 years, I don't know, but it's gonna get ugly. and. These folks are the fodder. They're 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 the fodder, and and it, and and it's going to be ugly. And the sad thing is, is that the system's also been set up such a way that a lot of the younger generation, that's actually very bright and very intuitive, but they've been completely misled for all the reasons, aforementioned reasons I gave. They're going to be the ones more than likely who are going to be the enforcers of the 15-minute city and the social credit system and the universal basic income, the UBI, because the you will own nothing and be happy is perfect. That makes them perfectly happy because they do own nothing. They will never own nothing. They're not like their parents. They're not going to own a house as, as it currently stands. They're not going to own a house. They're not going to have a retirement. They're not going to have a, they're still living with their parents. They still don't have a future. They've been disabled. They don't know how to use their hands. They don't know how to work as much. They're great online, but that's kind of the limitation of their, a lot of their ability. And when they are handed these gifts, like, oh, here's $2,000 a month. Oh, here's your, your free uh, stack and pack apartment. Here's your 15 minute city. You will not own a car. You'll walk and bike everywhere you go. Not that I'm opposed to that but not under those conditions. And they're going to be the enforcers of that. That too is part of the playbook. The powers that be always go after and they condition and they brainwash the youth because they're so young. They have no historical context. They cannot pull upon real history and they're being completely in indoctrinated into this form of enslavement. And that is going to be a challenge. And that is city life right now. And it's 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 and apocalyptic. They've also been compromised 
physically, you personally traverse the Trans-Alaskan wilderness on a dog sled. How many people of the younger generations could withstand that? No, I mean, most, I mean, again, we're, we're conditioned, you know, and not that I haven't gotten laser with age, you know, but, but this, but when I was young, I was out there doing everything, challenging myself, my mind, you know, my mind, my body, my spirit, every way I could. That is not, that's not, is what's elevated. That's not what is, is um, idolized, right? What's idolized is to be a YouTube sensation, a TikTok sensation. That's pretty much it. And, and those are the folks who are really to me most vulnerable and, um, and so, you know, some of them will snap out of it and go, oh my gosh, what can I do? Give me, put, put a tool in my hand and learn how to use my hands. I'll be part of, you know, this incredible, you know, collective of people who are heading towards supporting that seven generation principle. But most, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to make it. Well, like you said, there's no fixing the system. And when I see it collapsing, I just, my feeling is bring it on. We've been waiting for this for a long time. It, it wasn't designed- Faster would be yeah. better, to be honest. Exactly. I wish it would have happened a lot longer yeah. ago yeah. because the, the longer we stall it, the more severe it's going to be. Yeah. But building parallel systems is what we're all about. And, you know, whether it's farming or medicine. And, and uh, by the way, we're in cahoots a little bit with the Biggelsons, who I know you have a history with. And that we are trying to keep the old medical knowledge that their father represented. Uh, and a lot of the work that he pioneered alive, a lot of the work that I've done uh, because he was more of a contemporary and we had a lot of uh, commonality as far as the way we used to practice. So uh, Adam just this morning said to say uh, hi to you. And uh, he also mentioned that you were you really went to bat in Nevada City when his father was under attack. Yeah, that was actually in 2014. And I just knew mm -hmm. the Beelsons by reputation. I I know a lot of people had Lyme disease and cancers and just have been through the allopathic medical system to no avail. Went to him and they, you know, he healed them and he was looking at the blood, right? He was seeing, a, you know, as a hologram. And that sounds crazy, but why wouldn't you? We're multidimensional beings. Why wouldn't we? Right. We're just seeing one little sliver of light. Of course, it goes beyond that. And now we're really more people are aware of this today. But that was in 2014 when the state of California came in and just literally just hung them out to dry. And in the end, yeah, they won. They won. But by the time they did, they lost their house. They lost their income. They lost their clinic, their business. They lost their life. They lost everything by design. And that to me did shorten Harvey Biggleson's life. And so what happened was during that time, people reached out to me and said, hey, Renette, the Biggleson's estate is attacking them. And I was like, no, go. So I jumped in and I met them. I met the whole family, you know, his wife and, and, and the sons who you're speaking of, Adam. And, and, um, and that was the first time I ever heard about medical freedom, medical choice, right? The freedom to choose. And I was like, medical what? Medical, what? And that was in 2014. And, and, and I realized that it was a slippery slope. And if we did not stand up for that man at that point in time, it was going to happen to everybody else. And uh, I've been watching it ever since. And I got to know them and they are brilliant, brilliant family. And I'm so thankful that their sons and daughter is keeping this alive because it is, we are watching the death of allopathic medicine. Uh, unless it's like catastrophic and even then i'm not so sure it's gone it's toast it's just these are the last whimpering you know death you know thralls of, of, of the system and thank goodness and i've lost i've lost my natural mother my birth mother 
to Western medicine. I've lost my adoptive mother to Western medicine, and I've lost my adoptive father to Western medicine. That is a bad average. And I think that what's happened is that the last three years is, is going to force us to be remarkable. And is, it is forcing us, and I am seeing it, this incredible surge of, of, of alternative, not even alternative, it's like the real, it's real medicine. It's the real stuff. It's frequencies, it's Chinese medicines, it's herbs, it's all that stuff, right? Meditation, thought. It's, 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 it's we're, we're, we're going out there and on our own, we are finding our own way. Thank you. <laughs> it would never have happened otherwise. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, with the Biggelsons, we acknowledge that naturopaths, chiropractors, and so-called alternative practitioners have been captured yeah. in their training because it's all standardized. Yeah. And so what we're doing, the Biggelson Academy, and I've been joining forces with them, is to take back, uh, uh, go back and help doctors relearn what's no longer taught to naturopaths anymore osteopaths were captured a long time ago uh, the average osteopath has no idea of how to work with the cranial sacral system or to work with the rhythms of the body so those are the things that were uh, keeping alive and they definitely had their tribulations i personally witnessed overt assassinations of people for practicing differently no doubt uh, what they did to Harvey was horrible. Uh, I just saw people just literally taken up. I had also visitations by three letter agencies for doing what I did and got targeted in certain ways. So these people uh, play, play hard. But again, we're seeing so much of it exposed now that it's making it a little bit more difficult for them to just go out and kill people in plain sight, even though they still do it. Well, they do. And they still do. I mean, I've had close calls. We've had in this lawsuit, close calls. And okay. I tell people it's a numbers game. And that if you, you know, the days of Malcolm X and the days of, you know, you know, John F. Kennedy um, and, you know, Martin Luther King are over. Those days, we're never going to have a, a rise of, of one person coming up there and being that person because they're going to take them out. They're going to either do a character assassination, threaten them, or just kill them flat out. So what's important is that we all become leaders in our own right. And when you have the Harvey Beaglesons, they're easy to target. I have been such an easy target in this community of mine. I'm like, the, you know, I'm like the number one person. I just blame, just blame it on Renette. I've actually thought about changing my last name to again. So you can say, oh, there goes Renette again. I mean, just let's just make it easy, <laughs> you know? And so uh, so we gotta, we've got to, it's a numbers game. This is why with this geoengineering, with this um, SAI campaign, our objective is to um, awaken the masses so that it's not one or two people going out there doing the calling out because you take them out. And this is why, this is really important. Uh, gosh, a couple of years ago, I had a dear friend who went to a plenary with a former speechwriter for MLK. And she said that when Martin Luther King was assassinated, she realized the fatal error in them being a speechwriter and making Martin Luther King, the iconic figure for the civil rights movement, because when he was assassinated, it took the wind out of the sail of that movement. And she realized there was this intrinsic weakness of, 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 of propelling one or two figures, especially one figure, up as the face, because you can eviscerate it with one you know, swipe of the sword. And so it's very important that 
the movements be, and I've said to people, like, look at, I want what I'm doing, which I think is already the case is God forbid you take me out. And if that's, I'm not suicidal, my health is very good. And I drive really well, by the way, but if I am taken out, um, it continues without me. Number one goal. I think I'm already there. I feel like enough people are keyed into what we need to do that even you take me out or even take out our attorneys, there's enough people out there who are keyed into the next steps and what the goals have to be and what we can and cannot do and how to do it. It's already out there. I, I could stop today and, and be gone and my job is done. And that's important because we have, it's, it's really, again, it's a numbers game. You've got to have enough people out there where they can't play whack-a-mole because I've had whack-a-mole played against me for years and I know how not to do that any longer. So I have a few bruises on my head, you know. Makes me think of the <laughs> film V for Vendetta when they at the end all have the Guy Fox mask on and you don't know where V is. Of course, you know, he's sacrificing himself for the good of all, but it, that's the whole point, right? It's like, that's the whole, that was the whole anonymous movement. What it was based around is like, it's just all of us taking yeah. our own empowerment forth together. And decentralization plays into that. And as Bear was talking about getting back to the land, getting um, robust in our ability to make our own food, our own medicine, uh, have our own governance about through our local communities, like me developing Cordal with that whole community. That's what that's all about. So, you know, it's it's finding the entrepreneurial pursuits, like you said on our last interview about the the, the economics of healing I think that's a, such an amazing strategy, Renette, like, because that's what we really need, healing the skies, healing the land, healing each other. Guys, go out and find a way to do, be of service, and you'll be rewarded with prosperity for doing that. Oh, yeah. Well, you think about it, you guys. Look at, look at for 300 years in Europe, we had a witch hunt, right? And it wasn't just women. It was gays. It was anybody alternative, anything, right? You name it, men, women, children, the whole villages didn't matter. But the thing is, is that there were local economies everywhere through Europe built upon the witch hunt, right? You had the guillotine maker, the, the, the registrar, you had uh, the, 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 the courts judges, you had the bounty hunters, you had the fire starter. There was economies built upon the witch hunt. Today, we have economies built upon war and resource extraction and death. How do we know it? Because we measure it. It's called the GDP, the gross domestic product. The GDP wow. does not measure wellness. It doesn't measure, are you taking a nap in the afternoon? Do you, are, are you in a food desert or are you in a, a forest, you know, a garden? Do you have access to higher education? Do you have access to arts? Do you feel safe in your community? Do you have clean drinking water? There's no measurement for that. The GDP, what it measures is oil extraction, uh, you know, mineral extraction, slavery, death, illness, car accidents, Lahana, Lahaina, Lahaina, Lahana, Lahaina has just added to America's GDP. That fire just added to America's GDP. Do you think that's a good thing? Not I to said, mention all the brainwashing and propaganda through media, which is our greatest well, it's, export. It's, like, it's, it's climate change. As a person who started nonprofit 501c3s around climate change, I've spent thousands of hours waking people up. I'm so sorry to climate change, working towards climate ending climate change. I'm so sorry. 
I was an early adopter. And now I come to the, I'm like, oh, big old boondoggle. I saw it from the inside out. I'm like, oh, wow, is this a boondoggle? It was bullshit. And until people start to talk about rebuilding your topsoil, if you really believe in climate change and greenhouse gas reductions, which is a big lie, but if you do, the number one topic should be how do you rebuild your topsoil? Topsoil is the best environmental thing you can do for the whole entire planet. And as long as you're talking about 15-minute cities and greenhouse gases and carbon taxes and social credit system and 15, blah, blah, blah. And as long as you keep talking about that and never actually talk about how do we heal the planet, don't talk to me at all. And climate change takes away your rights, your liberties, your freedoms, everything and finds you and charges you and regulates you and has nothing to do with healing the planet. And they're taking Lahaina and they're gonna say, look, this is a case of climate change. It's like, no, this is a case of fifth generation warfare and climate engineering and climate weaponization. That's what this is. Absolutely. Yeah, there's one great more, uh, question. Can I, can ahead, I say Mike. one thing, Bear, on that? There are great mm -hmm. uh, studies showing that the, well, one, we know they're hijacking the the diag uh, diagnostics of in terms of how they're showing, you know, because you see this all the all the time where the temperatures are going up, but most of those temperature readings are coming from the desert, the, the city deserts of the, where it's all just asphalt and and right. And, um, you know, those those temperature gauges are, are not actually uh, accurate because they are they just got caught with this too, taking temperatures in the ground, not in the air. And so they're 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 totally playing with the numbers. But also, I guess the United States used to was like we've lost 98 percent of our natural grasslands, um, you know, like our, our swamps and our ponds and and all of those were great catchments for the heat. Um, and we know, like you're saying, if when you have a proper bacteria and in a, a topsoil that actually takes the heat in and it, it uh, you know, and you you've got all these lawns and these suburbs now. So um, once again, decentralization, start a food forest, get a garden going. These simple things, right, are just solutions that are so easy to do, and will you not only will you benefit, but um, overall your town, your city, uh, everywhere will benefit from just growing some plants. Oh yeah, you know it's very funny today. Um, I live in downtown Nevada City, and I had this lawn that was about this tall. We bought the house six years ago. It's my partner's. I live here. And she just got a notification today that the city fire department sent her saying, hey, you need to cut your green grass. And what I did was I took this lawn that was this tall that people don't realize is green grass. When you cut it down, you're actually cutting off the vessel that holds and contains the water, which means you have to water it a lot more because you're just watering this little tiny, you know, and it fries and it cooks. And so what I did was I let my green grass tall. It's like this and it's green and it's wispy and it's beautiful. And what I learned from Paradise, I was on the, I was on the city council here in Nevada City, when Paradise, California happened, two weeks later, I flashed my little city council card and said, I want to see this so I can bring back information to my town to make sure this does not happen in Nevada City. And I drove around and it looks kind of like what Lahaina looks like right now. Except I went to one place that looked like it came out of Wizard of Oz and dropped down out of the sky. There was this wooden building in the center of the town of Paradise that was completely untouched. And I was like, what the heck? And I looked and it was the cemetery. And the cemetery had a green grass all around it. And I realized that these flying embers going 80 miles an hour, when it traveled over that green, cool, moist environment, it cooled the embers. And even though they hit the building, they weren't so hot, hot that it torched it and caught it on fire. So what I come to understand with permaculture 
and rebuilding your topsoil, what we're doing now is we're going out there and we're telling people, cut all these trees, limit up. I'm not opposed to that. Limit up, right? Rake up the, the, the forest floor, rake up the leaves, which by the way, wipes out the pollinators because they're hibernating in that. Clean it up and create this bare, dead, dry, brittle dirt around your buildings, right? And your home. Well, guess what? You're setting yourself up for a firestorm. That's only... Doing defensible space and limbing up has to be done strategically, and it has to be in, in um, unison with the other piece of the pie, which is then you have to rebuild your topsoil. You have to cool it down. You have to make sure that when it rains, it actually that soil becomes a sponge. It collects it. It actually recharges the aquifers. It creates some diversity. And the other thing is, is that soil actually sends out certain bacteria that brings in the rain, brings in the droplets, create and changes the weather and brings back the balance. And, and, and it holds in the carbon. If carbon's important to you, it holds it in there as well. It brings back the pollinators. It brings back the diversity. It brings back the water. It brings back the weather. It brings back the, and it cools down the fires. So we just had the city fire department today Notify my partner that, hey, your green lush grass that's six inches long that has this long green vessels of water and the, some of the dried grass is down below. But if there is a huge ember storm and a fire, my little green lush grass is not the problem. That's what they're actually trying to say. You need to cut it down. Cut it down towards brown and dry. Is that what you're telling me to do? Cut it down so much I have to water it even more. Is that what you're telling me to do? Instead of going around to all the people who have all these ponderous and pine trees that are dying because they're not absorbing the water and the nutrients because of all the spraying going on and they got ivies around them and they fall in people's homes, they're not telling them to cut those down. They're telling me to cut down my green lush grass. So the problem is, is our Nevada City Fire Department did not realize they're notifying my partner, but I live in this house and that is my grass. And I'm going to be educating them. I'm going Organic farming isn't the answer the way it's being practiced either. Organic farming is much like contemporary naturopathy where I just call green allopathy. Yeah. Uh, they aren't creating new soil, they're disturbing habitats and just doing mass farming. When you go into your Whole Foods and these big health food store chains and, and get their produce, it's it's part of the destruction. Well, and, they're, so and, they've, what got we're, those, and they've got mm -hmm. those folks hooked in and they're the first ones doing the whole entire hand scan, iris scan. Whole Foods is right. uh, it's the, the devil in disguise. I mean, I've never been more disgusted. So I've just stopped right there. No, your farmer is the best thing you can do. And, you know, it's just really disappointing to me that, the people who should really know better are kind of being quiet around this. So when it comes to the green grasses, my education is like, look at guys, we have to be so radical that we're old fashioned, right? We have to look at nature and, and work with it in the holistic system like our grandparents did. There's this, this incredible symbiology going on and, and, and symbiotic relationship that we, we've interrupted and interfered with. And even when I look at the grasses, you know, what I didn't realize is that before white man came in and we had the missionaries come in when the missionaries came into California, they brought the seeds for their, their cattle. Cause they didn't know what kind of grasses we had. And, and so what they did was they planted the seeds everywhere and it ultimately was very aggressive and it took over the natural California grasses. Well, what you don't realize is the California grasses, they were, they were, they were, they were fire resistant. And the reason why they're fire resistant was because they had long green grass, right? Green vessels that contained the water and their roots were 30 feet deep. 30 
feet deep. They didn't need rain for months and months because they, they were tapped into the aquifer below them. Those grasses have been eradicated. So again, if we started to do some defensible space, but plant the California, the original native California grass seeds around us and just let them grow, we would be able to defend ourselves, but we don't have that part of the conversation. So again, we're only dressing half of this and we're actually creating what's called Javon's paradox. You're making, making matters worse by trying to make them better. You're just going out there and cutting everything and all the limbs. And like I have French or English laurel out here, English laurel should be used strategically because it's actually a natural fire break, a fire fence. We should use them strategically to protect our homes and our buildings and infrastructure. So I want more of the conversation. So this letter that, that we just received from the city fire department, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to educate our fire department and I'm going to educate our, uh, our city council and our planning commission to say, look at your defensible space actually might be making, making matters worse. And until you include rebuilding the topsoil, including native grasses and, and actually creating and looking at the holistic system, right? Uh, you're doing more damage than good. We just uh, recently ordered some California native grass. We have a whole area that we just wanted to reseed with it. So we're doing that. And also on our new website at Alpha Vedic, uh, my wife, Deb, is uh, overseeing an entire chat section and information center uh, section about people going to the native plant species wherever they live and using those exclusively. That's right. And uh, around here on the farm, we, we do quite a bit of it. And it's amazing. Uh, you can go anywhere in the surrounding area, but then you come to this little piece of property and it's just buzzing with life. Uh, every pollinator you can think of. So we're we're really behind you on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's another education, you guys. It's like it's like the SAIs. We just have to educate people and they're only getting little pieces of the, you know, of the story or, or incorrect pieces. And so again, our, our job is to go out and say, no, actually it's not what you think. Stop falling for the dialectic, right? It's either this or it's that. We're falling for it all the time. And no, it's actually something in the middle and you're being played. And so even around, you know, how to protect ourselves, it's like, no, we're not hearing the whole story. You know, when it comes to fire, we're actually, mm -hmm. we're actually, we might be making matters worse because we're not, we're not looking at nature and healing nature and investing mm -hmm. in that healing. And that I, I, again, I think that's our future because we're not going to have any other choice. We're not going to have any other choice. Yeah. And wildfires, uh, we, we had some in Southern Oregon have been going on for a few weeks. And of course, that amplifies the symptoms of, that people are feeling because you're breathing that smoke that is all the trees that are laden with the aluminum and all that kind of thing. I had one last question about all this for you, Renette, which is the this recent administration has just announced that they need to darken the skies further in order to combat global warming. Now, already allegedly, I've read that over 30% of the sunlight is being blocked at this time. So with that level of aerosoling, do you know what they're using for that? Well, I mean, they, they have proprietary compounds, so you don't always know what they're spraying, but seriously, just mm -hmm. aluminum and you know reflective materials and plastics work plenty fine. Now, interestingly enough, we started our, our, you know, our legal fund and legal research to get this, you know, this lawsuit filed ultimately. We're on the verge of that finally. And um, in that time, 
what's fascinating is all of a sudden there was this legislation, uh, these lines, small print, they were thrown into the debt ceiling bill, the legislation that Biden signed on June 3rd. Interestingly enough, in the small print of the bill that he signed was language that eviscerates NEPA. NEPA is the, the National Environmental Protection Act that came around in the 1970s. It is the standard bearer for environmental protection. You need anything federally related, any kind of program, project, development, project, anything. You need an environmental impact statement, an EIS. Well, in this legislation that they signed for the debt ceiling, it eviscerates NEPA. So when that happened, we're like, wait a second, that's like that's like our, you know, our instructions, our playbook. Like, what does that mean? And granted. NEPA can be a pain in the ass. It could be litigious, laborious. It can, it can slow down process, no doubt. And I do think it needs to be cleaned up a bit. I do. But because of these changes, we had to actually go out there and raise additional money for our, our lawsuit, our legal fight, because we didn't know, like, well, what does that mean? Like, somebody has to do an analysis on NEPA, read the changes that have been passed that were signed off by Biden, and then say to us, how does it apply to us specifically? We are actually under the impression that there might be a chance that they went in there and threw in this NEPA monkey wrench for us specifically, because at around the same time they made the announcement, oh, announcement, oh, we want to report by Congress on how we can dim the sun. Well, first of all, you've been dimming the sun for decades. And this is an old playbook, too. They go out there, they commit the crime. And when people start to wake up, they're like, oh, we need legislation cover the crime. And then they go out there and they, they enact the, the, the legislation and say, oh, it's not illegal. Well, you've been doing it for 60 years. It was illegal the whole entire time until now. So we now have attorneys and it is such a mess. The legislation, what they passed is so contradictory. It contradicts itself all the way through that we have now had to include that these changes that they made in this legislation that Biden signed off on is now included, is going to be included in our lawsuit to say it is null and void, a judge has to make the decision, is unconstitutional, and it doesn't even make sense. And notes it was put in there to streamline the NEPA process. It's actually destroyed being able to go forward at all. And the other thing they did is they now are saying, okay, you're the project, you're the entity who's doing this project, you can pick the company, the agency, the entity to do the environmental impact statement. They are allowing the Fox to actually uh, watch over the hen house. So we've had to fold that into our lawsuit. Good timing, interesting timing. Have you seen any evidence of other elements being sprayed such as graphene? Oh, there's, there's. Uh, I mean, pick whatever you want. I mean, pick whatever you want. It's it's Russian roulette. It's a wild west over our, our, our heads right now. And though the rest of the world has signed on to these kind of SAI global agreements, the United States is not would not has not been willing to. Uh, and it's 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 a national security. I mean, you can have China, which they have. We've we've seen them. We've tracked them spraying over the whole United States, and you're like, that's China. What could they possibly be spraying? Or who knows? No one's watching them. No one's testing their fuels. No one's no one's analyzing anything. There's no one watching. There's no agency. There's no committee watching over that to protect us. It's it's just yeah. So um, and you I, also have sorry to interrupt. But you also have the obvious whitening of the sky. I think most people have experiencing that beyond just the the fake clouds. You're seeing a general whiteness 
of the sky. It's like a, it's not the deep dark blue we used to have. And I understand that a lot of that comes from this dirty jet fuel and sort of the uh, the ice, the nucleic, the creating the nu nucleic ice crystals through the silver oxides and stuff where it's just there now, permanently just sitting in there. Uh, that's by design. That's what they actually want. What they want. And that Jim Lee really talks about it is, is, is they want, they just want a white sky, which makes great sunsets. That's why, why we're going after make sunsets. So if you go to my saveourskies.org, you'll see we're going after, you know, make sunsets who was banned in Mexico recently for geoengineering projects experimental, but they're all experimental, 100%. Um, so what makes sunsets and all these, you know, corporations, entities, uh, uh, research organizations, universities, power companies, they want to whiten the sky. And, um, and what that is doing is it's is again, it's you're not getting the good healthy sunlight, you're getting the dangerous UV light. It's burning things, it's destroying things, it's affecting the, the, the vitamin D absorption, it's affecting uh, the the efficiency of your solar panels and so on and you're just playing russian roulette overall with all i mean photosynthesis i mean goes it's a it's a domino effect so what they want to do is they want to they want to lighten the skies in the daytime but what's happening is that they've been doing all these you know you know trails and and then at nighttime they've been trapping in the heat so what they discovered during 9 11 and they discovered during an icelandic volcano is when they stop air traffic for a few days, it significantly cooled the night nighttime temperatures significantly. So all of that air traffic, whether it is purposeful SAI projects and programs, or it's the commercial flights, the ship tracks, right, the shipping cargo ships, or the, the military, what it's doing is it's blocking the healthy sun, and it's it is it is the climate change. We're being told it's the greenhouse gases. It's not. It's all that soot. It's all the heavy metals. It's actually creating a dome that is preventing the healthy sunlight to come in and it's trapping us and it's creating all this heat. It is actually creating the dome. We're completely being misled and we're being led to believe it's because of climate change and greenhouse gases and cow farts. That's not the reason. So one last topic I'd like to cover. There's a well-known gentleman, we won't mention names, who is a climate alarmist. Um, geoengineering alarmist. Uh, what's going on in the name of misinformation out there? Do you believe? Well, um, you know, first of all, is it, it is very alarmist. Um, it's pretty much we have no time. There's nothing more we can do. We're doomed. We're done. And mm -hmm. that climate change is real. And we're just doing this SAI projects mm -hmm. and programs um, uh, just to put a cap on to slow down the climate change train the methane you know exposure and explosions and so on so this is and this is also not addressing the fact that we've just got dirty jet fuel you know jp8 jet fuel mm -hmm. that is doing the number that the cargo ships are doing we're not talking about that we're talking about this it's nefarious programs and there are nefarious programs there are people doing other doing things that they should not be doing for sure at, at various levels for various reasons but what's not being addressed is how much power we actually have in our hands. How mm -hmm. decentralizing that system and not being dependent upon it is really the best thing we can do. And yeah, you better believe the client, I mean, the world around us is dying and I'm watching the biodiversity, I'm watching it crash around us. But let me tell you, you give, you give this planet a little bit of breathing space and she bounces back really fast. So to tell me or anybody there's nothing you can do. You can't win this in court. We've tried everything. It's done. It's toast. 
is is psychological warfare. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense if you understand the nature of our realm and how it actually functions. But the same individual, of course, says that even if all of the spraying were to stop yesterday, then we would still have at least two years of unbelievable cataclysmic events that would probably take us all out anyway. Well, and uh, I that yeah. same individual. This is a great book, Invisible Soldiers, Silent War by Sharon Daphna. And she's one of the sort of the Oregon warriors, along with like our friend Mitch oh, good. and have been doing incredible work using Oregon etheric energies and, you know, real science to help, uh, you know, like with Wilhelm Reich had proven with his technologies. Right. And so they tried to go to one of the conferences at this one particular individual we may be talking about was doing and he had them kicked out uh didn't allow them to express any of their information and which is interesting because this is a great decentralized remedy that anybody can do on the cheap that has been shown to have good effects uh and so you've got to wonder i mean she's got a whole chapter in here about false prophets and the controlled opposition and so of course like any in any time we have activism or we have people who are fighting back you're always going to have the controlled operatives that are put in there that are using fear to quell any sort of hope that or any kind of idea that nature and our power of our consciousness can always overcome darkness. Yeah, it's very well put and I agree and that's in every movement. Every movement you got to look for that. They're just if there's a movement they're going to be there. It's not an if it is, it's a certainty. You've got to look for them. And they ab abide by a certain playbook and they're always given the mic. They're always given the screen. They're always given the limelight. That's the other thing. And many times they've been around for a long time, right? It's been a long, long time in the making. And I just want to say that I have been surprised by certain entities who I did reach out to saying, look, we're doing this. And I got shut down, threatened every which way for copyright infringement over and over and over again. Then I was told, you realize what you're getting into? You're going to get a slap counter lawsuit. But I was told that it's no time for a legal battle. We're doomed by the end of the year. I'm like, well, if you're worried about me getting a slap counter lawsuit five years from now, we're already going to be dead at the end of the year. Why do you care? And, you know, I mean, there's certain things like, I'm like, this isn't making sense. And, and, you know, and also it's like, why would you not support anybody who's taking the baton and carrying it on to the finish line? Why would you not support that person? What do we have to lose? And when I experienced that the last few months, I was like, holy cow, now I know why we've made no advancements in this movement is because people like me were expecting somebody else to do it for them. And what you're doing is increasing the exposure. And Mike, I'm so glad you uh, brought up the Oregon technology because it's a great way to round out this discussion. Oregon technology mimics Mother Nature's natural processes, which makes it infinitely more powerful than anything anybody could possibly spray in the skies in the first place. And also our own personal biology, with a little bit of knowledge, we can work with it in natural ways also to make sure that we aren't vulnerable uh, and, and maybe at worst we'll just have intermittent minor symptoms rather than a lot of people that are having severe chronic degenerative issues because they don't know how to uh, stop this pervasive uh, accumulation of things.
you know, I think people have realized that energy is being used against us. It can, it can harm you, it can be weaponized, or it can heal you. And now we're watching the dark entities out there using energy as a weapon. There's no doubt. Um, but now we realize, well, if you can use it that way, we can use it this way. And that is the great awakening. Like I have electroculture all around my yard and my, you know, house plants. I mean, everywhere, right? We all do. And the thing is, is that we have entities out there who are trying to overcome and supersede mother nature and the creator. And it's like, you don't have a chance in hell, no pun intended. And once we awaken to that, right. And we realize, I mean, imagine a billion of us using Oregon, um, imagine a billion of us using electroculture, imagine a billion of us uh, meditating, right, For, if, and, and, and focusing and using the measurement of the seventh generation principle as our guiding, you know, our guiding post. I mean, imagine all that. Uh, that is game changing. You shifted culture completely and they've lost their power. You've taken the wind out of their cell because this system wants us to fight us, fight it. This system wants us to be angry and violent. It wants it. That's what it feeds off of. But if you separate yourself from it, you disengage and you go about your way and you start healing all around you, there's a billion of us doing it. And we're, we're not dependent upon a centralized system and we're modeling it, right? Decentralization. Then game's over, game's over. And so that's why you have certain people who we've been mentioning quietly in a way roundabout way who have been placed in these positions to give you truth bombs so you're just like whoa truth 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 oh my gosh they must be the real thing but they never really uncover what's going on and unpack it they never really tell you what it is that they don't want you to know they always give that cover and i've seen that in the patriot movement i've seen that in the medical freedom movement and i'm seeing it in the sky sai movement as well and now it's pretty easily identifiable. I think for many of us, actually, we're seeing the playbook. I will say the greatest effect it seems to have on those who are waking up to it or starting to realize it is the anger when you see it in the sky. I used to get so angry uh, and I used to call Bear and go, you know, look at over my house right now. I want to remember, Bear, we had this conversation. There's got to be a way to create a, uh, a technology we can create where we send drones up and shoot them down or we get powerful lasers and take out the pilots. And then Bear is like, you're just playing right into their game. There's a lot easier way. And with, through our consciousness, we can have a direct effect on these clouds and we can move them away and we can, you know, and it's through the love principle. It's through the Schumann resonance. It's through the subtle, the subtle powers of nature uh, that is persistent forever. That is the true natural way that the realm works is how this win, how we win this. And so, uh, Bear, I, I don't know if you remember that conversation. It's probably back in like 2016, 17. And so, for me, that is the 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 crucial point, right? Is to remember our power and the love that we have. And when we see those up in the air, realizing that, you know, it's not about being triggered and being angry. It's about realizing that those are there for a reason, and we have a duty to educate others around us what those are and not be angry and not be in fear, but to realize that we have the ability to stop it with our own consciousness and our own decrees that we don't consent. Right, and being con connected to that source, which the powers that be yeah. have been trying to disconnect us for generations, and they've done a really good job, and we see that disconnection really in the inner cities especially, and when you're in the inner cities and you don't have exposure to it, you're not going to fight to save it. You're not going to fight to preserve it because you don't even know it exists. And those are the those are the people that I'm most worried about and concerned about. I don't know if they're going to survive. I'm sure some will, but it's not going to be easy. But 
but we are, we have been, we have been, we're, we're generations now disconnected from source and we are all looking for it really fast and we're connecting. And so again, I go back to it's a numbers game, you know, stop waiting for the leader of the movement, right? Stop waiting for somebody to save you. Don't be dependent upon the system that is actually killing you. Right. And that is a process itself. You know, build the people, build a community and build the community around you, the network around you. Let me tell you, we do, we do weekly potlucks. We've been doing it since you know, C19 started. And that is our network. We've got each other's backs. You're sick, you need help, you're an emergency. We've got each other. And that didn't exist before COVID. Not like that. So that's what's that is that is the beckoning that we're hearing, right? That is the call that we're hearing. And um and I don't think you can stop it at this point in time. You, they're going to try. They are trying. But I don't think it can be stopped right now. I think it's unstoppable. So, Renette, how can people support your work? Where can they find you? Well, I, the, the three biggest things they can do and they can find me is Save Our Skies. And that's, you know, saveourskies.org. Um, there's also that button on Gen 7. That's G-E-N-S-E-V-E-N.org. And uh, go there, check it out. Click donate. It'll take you to our Give, Send, Go, which is Stop U.S. Geoengineering Legal Fund. Um, donations are huge. We're doing the heavy lifting and we're actually putting out our, our little pie chart of the last three months of how we spent our give, send, go funds. I think, I think the financial transparency is uber important right now. So we're putting that out. I'm so happy. I just saw the pie chart yesterday for the first time from our accountant, but we need fundraising big time. I'm telling people we're doing the heavy lifting. Now, the other two things that we're ready for is we got through the first phase of fundraising legal analysis, and we're now ready to file. That's going to cost a couple hundred thousand dollars more than likely, but we're, we're ready for that. So we need massive fundraising. Now we're also ready though, because now that we've got all the legal uh, understanding behind us of like, now we're going to be tapping into the people saying, okay, this is where we want people to go to the meetings, open letters, notice of liabilities, you know, at farmer's markets and start telling people the conversation we had today is like, hey guys, do you realize like you're getting out of that dialectic you're talking about, Mike, it's not this, it's not this, it's this. And let me tell you, when you tell people that, their eyes, they're just like, what? Because you can tell both of those stories, those narratives are going like this. And all of a sudden things just start to click and like, what? It's that, I'm like, it's, I mean, it's everything, but it's that. And then when you tell them, and oh, by the way, the power is in your hands. It's about decentralization, not being dependent upon the flights and the commercial and the this and the and the ships coming from China. It's about building up your local economy, food network, resources, industries. It's actually about increasing that economic multi uh, multiplier effect and, and building a strong local economy around you. It's about knowing your, your neighbors and friends and building a beautiful world with your own hands. How awesome is that? And all of a sudden, it's a game changer. People are like, wait, wait, what? I, I, I'm more powerful than I realized? Yes, you are. So money, donations, going out there, getting people activated to teach other people to actually speak, to call out their elected officials saying, this is your job to protect us. We're watching you. We're putting you on personal notice. And then the other thing is too, is all the influencers. Who do you know who has a podcast? has any kind of media radio show host can get us out there because our job is to hit that critical mass where people hear the information we just shared today, which is a game changer and make them go, oh my gosh, it's that. I'm more powerful than I realize. This is what's really going on. I understand it now. And uh, that's where we are in this leg. So it's like a multi-pronged approach, right? The donations, the people going out there doing their thing, putting everyone on notice, 
educating them, and then also reaching out to the other uh, the other influencers, the people who have uh, you know viewers and listeners who can hear what we're doing and how we're doing it. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your efforts and also for this brilliant talk today. Always so much fun to reconnect with you. And I hope we see you up here at the farm someday. I would love to. I, you guys are actually on my bucket list, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's do it soon. I, en awesome. Thank you. I, I envision a future where at, at every farmer's market, there's a, there's a little info stand, saveourskies.org with beautiful graphics, you know, posters up and, and people can come up, what's this about? And you just go like that, <laughs> you just point up. <laughs> it's like, they're doing our marketing for us. Can you just look in the sky? You know, um, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's Greenpeace and there's like, uh, what, you know, all you see, um, all these different NGOs at the farmer's markets, you know, the Republican, can, you know, party always has theirs here at ours and stuff. Why not have Save Our Skies at these places, guys? So I, I put, I'll put the, make sure the link is in the show notes below on all the, um, here on Odyssey and YouTube and uh, Rumble and everywhere. Please go to the website and donate and uh, even more importantly, if you have ability to, to volunteer and to help out, please contact them. And I really would love to see that sort of uh, emergence happen, Renette, where we've got Save Our Skies boots all over farmers markets across the U.S. and the world. We're ready. We're ready for that. So we have to get the legal side done and Save Our Skies. Say, just sign up. It goes to me directly. We've got you on the list. We're going to be doing bi-monthly webinars, just kind of hold people's hands, talk, answer questions. We're just now getting ready for that. And, and, and I just want to say thank you to everyone already who has supported us, who has donated, who has gotten the word out. Thank you, you guys. This is fantastic. And congratulations on your end of COVID series. You guys did an amazing, it was an amazing feat that you guys uh, undertook. Very impressive, Mike. I was really impressed with what you and Alex Zach did and your whole entire team was phenomenal. Oh, I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, coming from you, that's, that's an honor. So Thanks, Renette. Uh, we appreciate you so much. And as Bear's doing right there, when you see a chemtrail, go hug a dog, a puppy, because <laughs> the, or a cat, you know, the resonance, right, of that relationship right there will will conquer all. So that's right. Uh, <laughs> She's my favorite daughter, my only daughter. Boo. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. It's really exciting times to say the least. Yes. Thank you so much. Your true. Uh, you're truly inspiring, Renette. Thank, Thank you. you. Guys, if you uh, enjoyed this chat, please give us a thumbs up, like, subscribe. If you haven't already, share this with your friends and family. It helps us get this information out. Remember to get outside, get your feet in the dirt, go for a hike, uh, go plant something, go hug a tree. These little acts of kindness to Mother Nature actually will pay massive dividends to you and your family and the world. Thank you. We love you. We'll see you. Actually, we're not going to be on next week. We'll be on our way to Music and Sky. Uh, Bear, maybe I was thinking we'll hack the Wi-Fi there and do maybe a couple little quick live streams from the, the spot if you're yeah, down. Yeah, I, I was actually thinking about that. That'd be fun. Yeah. Okay, guys. Uh, have a blessed weekend. We love you, and we'll see you next time. Thanks again, Renette. Thank you.